Tuesday night worship service that we do. This is the last one for 2017. And uh, if I got the first date of school right in 2018, uh, I'm probably like, you haven't thought that far. Um, and for those of you guys that are graduating, if you haven't thought that far, you got to start thinking that far. Um, but I think it's going to be six weeks. And honestly, so much is going to change between now and then in everybody's life. Uh, finals will have come and gone. You won't, there'll be such a distant memory in six weeks. Um, some of you in this room will have graduated college. Some will have moved. Romances will have stopped and started or started and stopped. Um, <laughs> family drama, some of it will be for the worse. Some of it might be for the better. Thousands of gifts will be exchanged and no one will be more content. That'll happen. Um, it will be 2018 before we gather again. It's, and I, I just did the math. It's going to be roughly 40 days between now and the time we gather again. And, and a lot can happen in 40 days. During the first half uh, of this next 40 days, the church all around the world will be celebrating this season we call Advent. We've been doing it for about 1,500 years. And Advent literally means coming. That's what it means. It didn't initially refer to, some of you um, may think this, I think this is a pretty common sort of way to think, and um, it didn't initially refer to Jesus' coming 2,000 years ago. It refers to his coming again, which we still await. And I think it's fitting, actually, that this season, this Advent season, lines up with so many transitions and life decisions and reflections and looking forward to's that occur at this season in your life. The school rhythm is really, really intense for college students, arguably more intense than for any other season. The school semesters and holidays and breaks just carry with them so much. And it's fitting, I think, that Advent lines up during this. I think about all the ways in which God is coming into your life, into which his kingdom is breaking in, and all of the ways in which you want him to come into your life. Tonight's going to be a, a, a little bit like praying for the folks graduating. Tonight's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit of ascending into Advent. And to help us do that, to make space for that, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be reading three poems tonight um, and offering a little reflection and praying um, for you after each one. And then we'll take communion together. If you don't, um, if you've never been here before, if this is your first time, I don't normally read three poems. Um, I usually just talk a lot. Uh, and I'm going to talk a bit less and read some poems, and, and, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, it's tricky, though, right? Because it's, it's, it's super dangerous to provide any commentary to poetry, number one. Uh, second, in the words of Sarah Arthur, and this is my favorite, um, it's impossible to read a poem both quickly and well. It's impossible to read a poem both quickly and well. So, and this, this is tough in our culture. If there is a four-letter word that captures our culture right now, I think it's the word skim. Man, I should have held on to that longer, sorry. Uh, skim. You guys, I mean, we skim everything. We float along the surfaces of relationships. Of, we, we're, we read headlines and bullet points. We like top ten lists. We skim so many things, and, and the only things we really read are short things, quick things, bursts. Like, if a video is longer than, like, 90 seconds, I really feel like I'm doing you a favor by watching it. If you say, check this video out, and I see it, and really, it's, like, 90 seconds, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's so long. 
can, can I do that later? That's what I think. I'm actually processing my schedule to do that. Like that, I'm affected by this culture right now. Poetry is really hard in that kind of culture. Most art is. Because it, it sort of, it conflicts with our culture and it asks us to sort of slow down and pay attention, that kind of thing. And tonight, I've, I've decided not to put the words of the poems up on the screen. I'm just going to try to read them slow. Uh, I don't want you to analyze so much as just feel it, I guess. I don't know. Whatever you're supposed to do with poetry. I've never done this before on a Tuesday night. Uh, so I'm going to read these things and I want you, I want to invite you to close your eyes. I want you to, I want to invite you to, they aren't poems I wrote, so I hope that gives some more credence to them. Um, but, but anyway, we're going to do that. Um, and if you want them, I think I've asked the, um, Ashley to, to throw like the, the, the names of the poems and the authors on the screen. So if you want to write it down, you can look it up later. Um, anyway, if you don't like poetry, um, uh, you can pretty much skip half the Bible that has poetry and songs in it. Um, this might be a tough night of translation, but Kirsten reminded me um, that I've got a, a pretty, good, um, pretty good basis to fall on with regards to the people of God. There's a lot of poetry in their history. Um, so anyway, we're going to give it a shot. Let's pray. And just so you know, if you don't know, Kirsten, who is um, the associate director here with the house, she and I have worked together for, since 2006 here. Um, she and her husband just had a baby yesterday. Um, that's their first kid, and that's absolutely awesome. And, um, and we want to pray for him. He had a little bit of difficulties in the hospital. He's, he's doing well, but, um, but they, they aren't going to be able to go home until he gets fully well. So um, we'll, let's pray for him, too. I know she's with us in spirit tonight. And um, we can also pray for me, because I don't know what the heck I'm going to do without Kirsten for like eight weeks. So uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Let's pray. Father, um, we pray for um, Jonathan and Kirsten and little Jax, that you, you bring them home soon. You bring them home well. I cannot wait to meet that little boy whom you decided to make and who we get to meet and, and whom you want to be with and share your creation with. You have much to teach us through him. I look forward to that. Uh, tonight, would you uh, anoint our imaginations, anoint our hearts, anoint our desires and our questions. Help us to look to the horizon in our lives and see where you might be coming into them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mary, Mary by Joan Ray Mills. It wasn't that long ago that he'd spoken these stars into being. And this woman's life was just a thought in his mind. He'd smiled down on her birth and entered her name into his pages, perhaps with an asterisk, denoting plans too sacred to be spoken but pondered in his heart. And now, newborn in wide-eyed wonder, he gazes up at his creation. His hand that hurled the world holds tight his mother's finger. Holy light spills across her face and she weeps silent wondering tears to know she holds the one who has so long held her. How crazy is it that the one who spoke Mary into existence places himself within her care? 
You ever think about that? Like, what must it have been like to nurse God? To teach him the alphabet? If you want to be picky, the Xenophon. To watch your creator take his first steps. And even as you help him stay on his feet to remember that he is in that moment sustaining the very universe that both of you are in. It's mind-boggling to me. I actually think about this a lot, and it is mind-boggling to me. The logistics alone stretch my, my, my intellect and rational skills of any kind to the uttermost limits. And I feel like a total infant in trying to grasp how the dynamic of all this works out. But for as much as it seems hard to fathom, it's harder for me to stomach, honestly. It seems foolish that you'd place yourself in a 15-year-old girl's care in a little cave four days from home. That's crazy. Many of us, I think, in this room have a very low view of ourselves because we're not powerful, nor rich, nor do we look just the way that we think we should. And we assume God, if he cares at all, he must think that way about us too. And if our autobiographies and our culture haven't done us in, perhaps we've heard it said that we're sinners. And we are. We are. But friends, that's not the first nor the last word about us. And it certainly is not the most important. But it's the one we believe the most. And so we can't fathom God placing the resources of His kingdom in our hearts, in our heads, in our hands. And we certainly can't fathom Him giving Himself to us and for us. But this is the story, friends, that He came and He dwelt among us and is with us and is making His home in us. These are direct words from the pages of Scripture. And if God came to someone beautiful and powerful and influential and famous, we would all nod our heads and be like, of course, like, of course, that's who he would come to. But he places himself in the care of a 15-year-old servant girl. Fifteen. And if that's true, what do you think could possibly keep him from placing himself in your care? Let me pray for you. Father, my friends in this room are going home. Well, first they have finals coming up. Probably a lot of decisions to be made. Maybe some rest intermingled with that. There's holidays and, and homes and old community work for a lot of them. And I pray that your strength would be made perfect in their weakness. That they would not think themselves too small, too broken, too insignificant. For you to be doing mighty kingdom work in and through them over the holiday season. Matter of fact, even if they do believe those things, I just pray that you'd bust that up. You've decided, God, that you would place your treasure in little broken vessels and you would 
decide to make your home among the foolish of this world and the weak of this world and the poor of this world. And you would shame the wise and the powerful. May your spirit be at work inviting each one of us in this place to know that you have decided to give yourself into our care. Whether it's during finals or rest or decisions or family or old friends or next steps. The Magnificat by Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he swore to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. We have all sorts of reasons to tell God that he's foolish for giving himself to us, for working in and through us. We always make a mess of things, each one of us. We never quite get it right. We have hidden motives and hidden agendas. And these we often see as evidence of just how foolish it would be for God to make much of us in his kingdom. And this 15-year-old girl had all the reason in the world to tell God he was nuts. That he must have gotten the wrong person. That he must have a better plan. We're actually told after she finds out that she would be pregnant with Jesus... That she makes the four-day journey up to see her cousin who'd been pregnant for a bit ahead of time. And she leaves after a few months and there's one commentator who argues that she might have left because people would have been showing up about that time to see John the Baptist's birth. Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins, if you didn't know that. Uh, and, and, And this one commentator thinks, I wonder if Mary left because she was embarrassed about her showing and didn't want to have to answer questions from all these like family and all these people seeing her showing at that point when they came to John the Baptist. Like that's just speculation but the the point is this is a wild idea. This young girl who who was betrothed, her marriage had not been consummated or or she had not, there's a sort of a two-step marriage process for for Jewish folks in that culture. It hadn't finished out yet and here she was pregnant and and her her, her defense was an angel showed up to me. And told me, who's going to believe that? Who's going to believe that? She had all of the reasons in the world to say, this is a crazy plan. Or, or maybe she could have said, this is the kind of stuff we often say, if we don't just straight out say, God, this is crazy, this is silly. No way. We might say, I promise that we'll earn it and try to make it count. I promise. I'm not going to make a mistake this time. 
I'll do better. You know what she actually says when God sends Gabriel to tell her that he's placing himself in her care? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She's 15 years old and she magnifies the Lord rather than telling him he's foolish. She had no power, no rights in her culture, no clout. She was betrothed to this blue-collar laborer from a small town and when God looked upon her, she rejoiced and she said, yes. I don't know how God's breaking into your world, friends. I don't know. I, I, some of you I do, but most of you in this room I don't know. In some way, though, God is up to something. He's giving himself to you, and what he wants isn't for you to tell him that he can find better people, or that his plans are foolish, or that you promise you'll earn it or do better with it. He wants your joy. And he wants you to say yes to what he's up to in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, help us to say yes. Whether your kingdom is breaking into some of the internal realities that exist within us, or the relational dynamics in the places that we live, whether you are calling us like your, um, your apostle, our brother Peter said, to make every effort in our faith. Maybe for many of us in this room, you're asking us, you're inviting us to, to, to grow in virtue and to grow in stature. Maybe your kingdom is breaking into our families. And you're calling us to offer forgiveness or to repent and confess our sins. Maybe your kingdom is, is calling us out of lethargy and um, seasons of, of being numb and ignoring your voice. Help us to say yes. Help us not to look at you and say you're foolish but to trust you more than we trust even our own judgment. However you are giving yourselves to the people in this room, help us to say yes. Pregnancy by Eugene Peterson. Pregnant by my parents' prayers, I'm large with child. I wait, shy in the mystery, larger inside than outside. Am I showing? Does anyone notice? The dark interior of my life enlarges with light. Proto-lineaments of the Savior take shape. I feel the kick of joy, the dance of grace. Meeting with others, also do. Arthritic octogenarians and willowy virgins kneeling quiet in sacred shadows. We listen to creation groan, time the pains, and know. We're about to know as we've been known. The fact is we carry God and the resources of his kingdom in the tough circumstances, every single one of us. I think about how many of you will go to homes where you feel like a stranger. Because you've changed quite a bit since the last time you lived there or because it has. 
ten-year-old stories we can't seem to live down ring through my homes. Habits and hobbies from another season of life, which for some reason just fit like old pajamas, but make us wonder if we've really changed that much at all. Will anyone notice the mysterious way that we are larger inside than out? Many of us don't even know ourselves that well. And for some of us, the holidays will be lonely and very few will even have the opportunity to see us. But we each are waiting for the growing pains to cease, for the light to grow brighter, to know as we've been known, and to know, first of all, that we are known. Let me pray for you. Father, we carry, like a child, we carry you and your kingdom into, into the places that we go over the holidays. Time and again, Lord, my friends in this room tell me of them not feeling accepted in their homes, not being recognized and known in their homes, and I think of your son saying that he can do miracles in his hometown. Think of how hard it is for us to believe and accept change in others. And I, I do pray that the places that we go would be places that would be receptive to how we've grown and to how we've changed. And that we too would be people open to that with others. But I have no doubt Father, that the places that these people will go, whether it's lonely, whether it's old friends, whether it's old habits and hobbies, or um, just the same old family conversations that happen every holiday season, I pray that you would do a new work. May each person in this room recognize the desires that sit deep in us, that we want to be known, and that we want to know, and that we want to have hope. Help us to find those spaces to reflect and know that, and maybe even communicate that directly to others. May each person in this room know that they're larger inside than out. In Jesus' name, I pray. God with us, our yes to him, and looking forward to what lies ahead. As we wrap up the semester, we come to a table where all these messages come together in a sacramental mystery. In communion, in, in the Eucharist, in the Lord's table, whatever you call it in your, your Christian tradition, here God gives himself to us. Here we say thank you, which is the Christian's way of saying yes or amen. And here we look forward to a time when we will know as we're known. It's just hard to remember this stuff and all the fussings and frettings of our lives. We must, friends, we must make space to remember. We must binge-watching Netflix does not make space. I've, I'm not criticizing that activity, but as the primary way we spend time when we have leisure, 
or video games or gossip or what making space requires a degree of intention it's hard in the fussings and frettings of the world to remember god is for me do you know that that he's for you that he is with you that he's offering himself to the world in and through you that he has greater things still to come ahead and he's trying to always offer you invitations to stir up that hope in you for his coming again how many of us are going to going through fine this is going to sound maybe super meta I, I i don't know how to make this land well because we never hear this stuff we should hear it all the time how many of us have our finals in mind our roommate situations in mind our job stuff in mind our hobby stuff in mind our finances in mind how do we have all that stuff i shouldn't say in mind in light of the fact that christ is coming again to make all things new my suspicion is, is that so many of us forget it and then we make all of these things our, our, our idols really and it's so hard it's so hard to remember this stuff we must make space to remember to make space to receive whatever god has to give us and this is actually why one of the major reasons why christians come to a table so often together we come to a table weekly, uh, in some traditions quarterly or annually or something like this. Most Christians around the world will come together at least weekly to make this space to remember what we forget so often. That God gives himself to us. He makes space for that more than anything else. When the earth was formless and void and God spoke light into existence and he made space, like he actually made space what did he do it for? To give himself to us, to be with us. That's why he did it. And we forget, and we forget, and we forget. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it after giving thanks. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you come together, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And do you notice the Advent language? parked right in the midst of this until he comes again and for the last 2,000 years all over the world Christians have gathered together to do this and we look forward with great anticipation to when Jesus comes again it's just a taste we don't do this just as a memorial service looking back 2,000 years ago at this cool thing God did 2000 I hope we also do that and look back and because of what he has done and is currently doing we can trust that he will do what he will do but when we gather together we are to look forward to his coming again death is still an enemy that needs to be defeated friends we still go back to our homes and there is darkness to fight inside and out and we need this space to remember what god has done and what he will do look i don't know what traditions uh, every person in this room has come from I, I, I said earlier, we come from many different ones in my, in my experience working with y'all. 
um, whatever they are, I know we have different ways of celebrating the Lord's table. We even call it different names. Um, but if you know Jesus as Lord or would like to know him as Lord, you can come forward tonight. We're going to have some bread up front, and you can just rip off a piece. Um, a few weeks back, we had a loaf of bread that was kind of crusty, and some people got really weirded out. There was crumbs on the floor, and there's some fascinating theological conversations that went on in like the 12 and 1300s about what to do with that. Um, and I'd love to have that conversation with you if you're interested. Uh, and then last week, we had another loaf of bread that was like super hard to tear off, and so people were getting workouts. Um, and some people got like big loaves, and some people or pieces, and some got small, and that was weirding people out. So th- this week, we got King's Hawaiian bread, um, and hopefully that's nice and easy. So you Methodists are, are you know, loving it. Um, just break off a piece of that and, and dip it in the juice. Um, and uh, if you guys, if you break off a big piece or a little piece, it's totally okay. Okay? Dip it in the juice. Need it. <laughs> of all things to laugh at. Okay. Uh, anyway. Um, look, look, y'all. This, my hope is, is that throughout the holiday season, and until we meet again, that this, this truth is what actually binds us together and what rings through our lives more than all the other things that we are prone to believe and say. This, the, the, the all Advent season is, is only four weeks, and there's more than that before even the next Tuesday that we meet again, for those of you that are coming back. But this Advent season is a fantastic one. Actually, in the history of the church, it's marked as a season of fasting. Do you know that? Which is super weird. Where a culture, we celebrate this like massive accumulation of stuff and buying things so much. Like consumer debt goes way up. We're told to be good citizens. You got to buy things and we just start going crazy. Also, everybody's got wish lists. I got an Amazon one. You can buy me stuff off it. It's totally cool. But like it's public. Um, <laughs> for real. I keep hoping like Bill Gates looks, I don't even know what that is. Okay. Uh, but in the midst of this season, the church historically has actually viewed this as a season of fasting. Why? Because what we remember, what we remember is Mary and Joseph and the Israelites before Gabriel came and said, Jesus is coming into the world. We remember right before that moment when they were living in the dark, wondering when God will come through with his promises. And they looked forward with hope for their Savior to come. And the church gathers at this table like them and says, we need, we need you to feed us, and we need you to give us drink. We need you to be present with us in the midst of our wanderings when we are this side of the new heavens and the new earth. In the Gospel of Luke, which we've been studying all semester, when Jesus, there's this scene that's absolutely nuts, when Jesus is standing with Moses and Elijah, and then there's multiple conversations I would love to have about that one too, because I have all sorts of questions there. But when Jesus is talking to them, we're told in Luke that they were talking about Jesus' exodus, that he was going to take everybody on. And if you know anything about the story of God's people, the primary story that they know is the story of the exodus. That, friends, the story of the exodus with Moses. There's a book called Exodus. It's about the exodus. Uh, Okay, uh, and an exile out of slavery with a sacrificial lamb and magic bread and all this kind of stuff, right? That, 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 that was actually a small picture of what Jesus is doing now, still, leading his people out of the slavery of sin. And I, and I hope, I hope, by God's grace, I hope during this season of Advent, as we look forward in the midst of our wanderings, as, as we experience literally darker days, I think it's actually better for us to live in this hemisphere during this season because it's easier to grapple with the truths of this thing. We have dark days and dark circumstances and we look for light. 
And the church historically has actually fasted during this time and mourned and lamented. And then we actually have 12 days of celebrating. That's, that's historically, you know a song, some of you, some of you know more than that, but uh, that that's what we do. Anyway, that there's truth in this meal that Christians are celebrating all around the world. It's been celebrated, I don't know how many times today already, by Christians around the world every day. For 2,000 years this has been happening, and we celebrate it again. This is the truth that binds us together. God for us, God with us, and with you into your homes, into your finals, into your decisions, into your rest, until we meet again. This is the truth that binds us together.